seem to get that right. Yeah, they've, uh, their comment section's been not good. Jeez. What's up, everybody? Welcome to 3 Wide in the Middle with me, Thomas Brandon, and as always, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. We were just talking a second ago about what things have been, things that are going on, and we got a bunch of stuff to dive into today. Um, uh, unfortunately, we were, like we were just talking, the Let's Race 2 event at Eldora is rained out, and no makeup date, at least as of now, scheduled, which is definitely a bummer. That's actually one of my favorite events to, to watch. I mean, I've never gone yeah. to it in person, but just to watch, I love it. It is, uh, it's, it's fun to go watch, but in general, it's fun to just go to Eldora. I mean, there's not a atmosphere that matches it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, Eldora's on my bucket list. Um, you know, my, I already told my wife that, you know, when the, when the kids are gone, we will be in a motorhome going cross country to all, all the dirt tracks that I want to go to. So she's not too thrilled about that, but. In exchange, I did say, hey, we'll go to Italy and Spain and those places you want to go to, too. We yeah. just got to do my dirt track stuff first. So. <laughs> got to take care of the, the second half. Exactly. Half. Exactly. That's right. So but Yeah, that, that's my favorite weekend as far as Eldora goes. My second favorite is probably the Four Crown because it's, it's insane. Yeah. The, the racing that you get for two days is just, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm exactly yeah four crowns always been a it's uh, it's always been one of my favorite events period in all of racing not just our track just all of racing i've always loved the four crown yeah. it's just it's so cool and unique. i mean what other weekend can you go watch two different wing classes mm -hmm. and a full slate of usac stuff i mean yeah. it's the best of both worlds it is it really is man so I'd, i i've never been to charlotte for the finals but i'd put it up there with the finals yeah i, I you know i've been to the i've been to charlotte and uh haven't been to the four crown but charlotte was amazing to see to see the big blocks the the late models and the you know the sprint cars you know the both world of outlaws and and the the big blocks was was just incredible man i was hoping this year when you know last year when we were there they announced that the the world finals were going to be four days and then i was hoping after i had heard about the extreme outlaws i was like well maybe the extreme outlaws are going to be at the world finals but it doesn't look like it, it looks like they just added another day of racing so yeah i got real excited when i seen that too yeah I, i've never been to charlotte and when they announced that there was going to be a fourth day my gear started turning like yeah. all right Extreme's gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're not gonna be there. Yeah. They so. could be. They could be because there's on their schedule. It's still TBA for that date. Yeah. Well, maybe they will be. That would be awesome, man. So, I would love to love to go see that because that would just be incredible to see to see all of those cars there. That would be, whew, man. That'd be nuts. Cause that's awesome. I love that track. I I love that track, man. I think it's like one of the perfect types of dirt tracks where it's wide, it's fast, um, but it's not too big. You know what I mean? Where it's it's you can run the top, the bottom, the middle. Like it was, it was some of the best racing I'd ever seen. Yeah, I I just think in general a non-wing race there would be pretty successful. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome, man. That would be awesome. So so bummer about the let's race too. But on other 
topics. Did you see, did you watch Dover this last weekend? I did. I did. What'd you think? Um, it was better than what I thought it was going to be. I, I enjoyed it. I was, I was happy with the racing that I saw. I was, I, um, I was I also was... happy to see Chase Elliott finally get a win. About time for him. Yeah, honestly. I know. It's been a long time coming. He's had quite the eventful season so mm-hmm. far. Yeah, he has. And my boys at Trackhouse, they just keep showing up. They do, or man. They one do. keeps showing up. I think the other one will eventually. Yeah. And speaking of which, this coming weekend is Darlington, and we've got Throwback Weekend. And in my personal opinion, in the Cup Series, the 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 team that knocked it out of the park for Throwback Weekend was Trackhouse. They did both their Absolutely. cars. Chastain's got the you know they've got the the matching Coca Cola cars from when Junior and Senior went and ran in Japan, and I think it's freaking awesome, dude. It, those cars look so good because some of, I love Throwback Weekend just because I love to see you know the old paint schemes and stuff like that. Like that's another one I would love to go to, and a lot of the Cup cars this year in Throwback Weekend. I wasn't because I, I, I kind of I, you know I went through and looked at all the paints and there's some I was like yeah that's cool that's cool, um but the track house ones I was like that's the winners the, and I'm, they win. I'm surprised it took this long for somebody to do that. Me too. I don't know if they have like a a minimum it's amount been, of time to be, to be to be considered throwback, but I I'm surprised it took that long. But then again, they kind of go by the year. They they pick a a couple years to pick from. Like I remember one year there's three or four guys that threw back to themselves, which I thought was weird. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, I can see doing that if you're like, you know, Jeff Gordon and, and you know, you have a 20 year career, right? Like you're throwing back to your rookie season or something like that. But well, I think one of them was uh, Kurt Busch when he drove for Stuart Haas, he threw back to his championship year. Mm, okay. Which in that case, yeah, it's been, I don't know how many years, a long it's time. Been a long time, yeah. So, yeah, I get it. But then again, it's kind of like, dude, you're throwing back to yourself. That's kind of, it's just weird. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, the other paint that I absolutely loved is actually an Xfinity car, um, and it's Junior Motorsports. And they, they're busting out the old school school bandit car, which is hands down one of my all-time favorite race cars. I that absolutely love that car. When Harry Gant drove the Skull Bandit car, I do. That was when I first like started getting into NASCAR as a little kid, you know. And I always liked Harry Gant because he always just, you know, back and you know back then the cars were, you know, they were basically like a shoebox. But I just remember watching a race where he was just like sliding around on the top side, you know what I mean? And I just thought that was like the coolest thing. And of course, as a little kid, you got, you know, the skull bandit paint job. Like you just, I just thought like, like that dude's cool. That dude's awesome. Yeah. And every time I see that paint job, it makes me think of, it makes me think of watching that, that race back in the day on whatever it was, TNN or whatever the hell network that was back then doesn't exist anymore. But I think my favorite so far is the uh, Chase Briscoe tribute back to Tony Stewart's double duty from 2001. Yes, I really liked his paint job too. I did. I liked all, I, I really liked that one. Um, I thought that was uh, a really, a really cool one, man. Um, like I said, there's a couple of them that are, that are pretty cool. Um, you know, it's just, I, I, to me, the, 
the the track well, house boys that, just knocked it yeah. out of the park. Yeah, I agree. I completely you know, agree. Yeah, so I just thought those two were by far the best. Um, you know, I do. I I kind of like um, Kyle Bush's one, the, his old school Eminem paint, just because it you know it's it's reminiscent of the old Kenny Schrader Eminem paint job. So I don't know if that's who they're if that's who they're exactly throwing it back to, uh, but it looks it reminds yeah. me of the Kenny yep. Schrader one. Yeah, so. Um, Actually, it was the uh, Ernie Irvin. Ernie Irvin one. There you go. Yep. And and it's kind of cool that they're doing that because mm-hmm. it's Mars last season in the Cup Series. Yeah. Yep. So so yeah, cool weekend. I I like I said, throwback weekend's always really really cool. So it'll be a it'll be fun. And plus, you know, Darlington is just a awesome. Amazing. Track. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh-huh. Darlington. Whether it's Xfinity trucks or mm-hmm. Cup. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm trying to think. There was one more paint that I that I really liked, and I cannot remember what it is. And it's dry. Hold on, I gotta let me pull it up. I know. I'm trying to find. I read that. Oh, um... the the Mark Martin Valvoline paint. Yeah. Alex yep. Bowman. Yep, that was the other one that I really liked. Yep. Because I know. Paint. I know Justin Marks, the owner of Trackhouse, or one of the owners of Trackhouse, is going to be turning laps in an old school car this weekend oh really i can't i can't find it now huh i didn't hear that i caught it on the dale jr download the other night because they had uh ricky carmichael on and i was like that's cool i want to listen to this and then they were talking to justin about it yeah 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 i didn't know that well darlington should be fun like i said it's always a fun weekend um you know, Dover, I was, I was pretty, pretty happy with what I saw. I thought it was a, uh, a, a, a good race. Like, you know, it was also good to see, um, Chase Elliott finally get a win. Um, the fact that he was leading points and he was the one Hendrick car that didn't have a win was kind of, kind of incredible, but they've had a, a very interesting season. I actually think, um, that they are going to be a team to be, uh, or you know the actually Chase Elliott is going to be one of the favorites going into the playoff. We got a long ways to go, but I do think they are one of those teams that um, when they're on, they're they're on, man. And they seem to they seem to be good. They just haven't had the finishes to back it up lately. So and it, and and I the same could be said about the five too. Yep. Yep. It, it's like when one's struggling, the other one's doing good. When one's doing good, the other one's struggling. And the same with the twenty-four and the forty-eight. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the crazy thing is, is right now people think of Kyle Larson as struggling and he's still doing better than like 95% of all the other guys out there. Like that's, you know, he, he set such a precedent last year with the, just the way he dominated last season that this season right now is, is, is looked at as a disappointment. And it's like, God, man, just about every other driver would kill to be in that position right now. Yeah. So I, I just found it. Justin Marks is going to be driving the uh, 33 school bandit car leading the field this weekend. Oh, nice. That's cool, man. That's really cool. I knew I'd find it. I just yeah. it took me a second. Yeah. Well, last year, I think it was last year, Dale Jr. drove the the old, uh, his dad's old uh, Bush car. Yep. Yeah. He, he, he paced the field with it. So. So yeah, 
that's pretty cool, man. Like I said, Throwback Weekend's always awesome just because of all the stuff that they do. Like, I've always been a fan of that, and I, I really like that they do it. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting interesting week this week at uh, at Darlington. But other news real quick that we got to touch on just for a sec is they did announce the Hall of Fame class of 2023, and... We got Matt Kenseth, Kirk Shelmandine, and Herschel McGriff. Um, now, to me, Kenseth is a no-brainer. He's a lock. Yeah, yeah, he's a no-brainer. People who talk about Matt Kenseth as if, like, I've never seen somebody who doesn't get the, he's, I think he's one of the most underrated drivers of all time, man. I really do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, just because he's not flashy um, I mean, he won a, a good number of races when you look at how many races he won. But because he won a championship and only won once that season, you know, they literally, you know, he's one of the reasons they changed the point system. You know, it was his year that he won the championship. He won one time, won the championship, and then they started this whole chase and all that stuff like that, which has now become the playoffs. Because it was like, oh, well, he only won once. And, you know, like it was this big uproar. Now, obviously, NASCAR was already kind of moving towards that direction. But I remember that being a really big kind of, you know, sticking point, right? Like that was a point that a lot of people were making. And we can argue all day long about whether the playoffs good or if they should go back to the original point system and all the stuff like this. I do think for today's uh, day and age, when you look at all of the major sports and the way that they have playoffs and regular season and stuff like that, I think it does make sense for NASCAR to do something like that. It is the premier, you know, stock car division yeah. in the country, so it, I, I, you know, it does make sense. I'm. I like it much better now. I was never a fan of the chase. I did not like that when they went to this whole, you know, round of 16, round of 12, that type of thing. I enjoyed that much better. Um, but yes, like you said, he's a lock. He is just incredible. He was an incredible driver and he's one of the last, um, what you would call like, blue collar drivers and what i mean by that is is like nowadays you're not going to see a driver in the hauler you know building his own shocks like that was you know that matt kinsett did that you know what i mean like he, he he could work on every aspect of the car and not you know not only drive it now you know with the way cars are and you got teams of engineers on stuff like this you're not going to see that type of stuff no more so yeah. it was really cool to see him get in because he definitely deserves it like you said he's a lock and then also kirk shelmerdine um, and it's funny because there's a lot of, uh, I remember talking to, you know, a lot, I, cause I, you know, I was a Dale Earnhardt fan growing up. Lots of people were obviously, but I had a lot of, I had, I had a lot of friends in racing circles who were fans of Dale Earnhardt. They became fans of Dale Earnhardt later on though, in his career. And they didn't know who Kirk Shelmerdine was. And it's like, dude, that's the guy. Like that's the one who got the whole thing really started with the three car you know i mean yeah he won a championship with jake elder back in the day when he was driving the what was it the two car you know but when they really got rolling at rcr that was with kirk shelmerdine and you know he was one of the you know obviously better crew chiefs you know some will say one of the best crew chiefs from that era so really cool to see him uh get the nod as well yeah, and I think when nowadays when you mention Kirk Shelmerdine, the first thing you think of is his 
not so good of a racing career. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, that overshadowed everything he did with Dale Senior. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. when he was crew chief and with Dale Senior, they had 46 wins, 142 yeah. top fives, 246 top tens, plus four championships. So yeah, I think Kirk should have been a lock. Yes, absolutely. For sure. If you take his driving career out, and I'm sure that's what they're doing, that he's going to be inducted as a crew chief, mm-hmm. as he should, because he... He was one of the best at, at his time, during yes. his time. And then, unfortunately, it, it overshadowed with his racing career that wasn't that good. Yeah. No, you're right, you know. And look, a lot of, especially back in those days, right, a lot of those guys who became crew chiefs had wanted to be drivers. They got, you know, that's how they learned, you know, back in those days. You know, you listen to someone like Andy Petrie, who went on to be Earnhardt you know, seniors crew chief when they won a couple of championships, but like his whole thing, the reason that he built the car was because he wanted to drive, you know, he wanted to race. And then of course, you know, Dale Jarrett hops in their car and his path as a crew chief becomes kind of set. Now he ends up racing late models and stuff like that later on, but mostly, and you go back and look at most of the crew chiefs, that's what they, that's what they did. They, you know, they Uh, were, they were racers. You and know. and this same can be said about uh, Kevin Harvick's crew chief now, Rodney Childers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He was he was a short track late model guy, go karts, anything to that nature. And now he's he's a crew chief, a very successful crew chief. Yep. wasn't beforehand when he was with uh, Michael Waltrip Racing, won a couple of races here and there. But he also comes from a very deep background of racing, mm-hmm. and and if you look at most of the crew chiefs across the board have at least somewhat of a racing experience, whether it be your Saturday night stuff, your Friday night stuff, or even your Sunday stuff. Yeah. And, and the same could be said about spotters. There's a, there's a ton of spotters that are either former NASCAR drivers or former track short track racers. Yep. Exactly. I mean, they all got into it because they wanted to race. Yeah. That's, and- that was how I got into it. You know and I, mean? I and I feel like if you're going to be a crew chief in racing, you've got to at least should have been a race car driver for one, because now you've got the understanding of when when I say the car's tight, you know what I'm saying. Yes. Or if it's loose, now you know what I'm saying. And then same with the spotters. Yes, exactly. Because I yeah. know Kevin Harvick's spotter, Tim Fiedelba, was an Xfinity driver for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it, it really helps to know to know that side of things, you know what I mean, to to get a feel for uh or to have have an experience so you can have a feel yeah. for what that driver's going through. Yeah, it makes a then, big difference. Then then you skip ahead a year where we got the next gen car and nobody knows exactly what to exactly, do. Exactly. Nobody <laughs> knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> but so congrats speak- to those guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. But speaking on the spotters and then the Hall of Fame, I think spotters should be included in the Hall of Fame. I do, too, man. I think it's such an integral part of the sport. Yeah. Well, and I feel like if you don't have. If a driver wins a race, the spotter gets no credit in any of it, unless if he gets involved in a wreck. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, let's hear what the spotter had to say. Yep. So. I've always been curious of that. Yeah, I'm with you. you. I think those guys deserve more. Yeah, they're really kind of the the man behind the curtain. You know, I mean, obviously their job is not as important as the driver or the crew chief, but it's damn important. I mean, that when you're in one of those cars, 
And keep in mind, I've never sat in a NASCAR, you know, Cup Series car before. But I've sat in race cars before, and I can tell you right now how limited your vision is. Now imagine where you've got, you know, a Hans device on, and you've got head restraints on both sides of your head, and all you have is this one rear view mirror that looks out the back windshield, which keep in mind is cluttered, right? You got roll bars and all kinds of stuff, and then you've got this voice in your head, right, or in your ear, telling you where everybody's at. Like that is critical not only that but your spotter is also relaying extremely important information in terms of whether you're you know gaining on somebody losing time if someone's coming up got to run you know those types of things like that stuff is huge you would not be able to run the cup cars the way that you do without a spotter without drastically changing the car you know what i mean and it's like how they they look at the crew chief as the head coach Mm-hmm. on Sundays and the yep. driver quarterback. Well, the, the spotter's the offensive coordinator. Exactly. In my, in my opinion, he's the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. Yep. And exactly. It just sucks that they don't get any more credit. I mean, yeah. they do when the driver messes up, but then, yeah. The, then you never hear about it. Yeah, yeah. When it's bad. So, so yeah, I'm with you, man. I'd like to see those guys get some more respect. Maybe one day they will. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, they did it over with the uh, Xfinity car, the door bumper yeah. clear. That, that was pretty cool. I, I, I thought that was awesome. That yeah. was my favorite scheme from the Xfinity series. I yeah, think. that was that was cool, man. So, but yeah, so fun weekend coming up at Darlington. Congrats to Chase Elliott on the win and to the Hall of Fame inductees. That's really, really cool. But before we bounce over here to our Bristol Bash, we've got to do our NASCAR driver stock game. So, if you guys remember at the start of the season, um, I had come up with this concept, the NASCAR driver stock picking game, where we would pick five drivers. We ranked them like stock, like you would a stock market. Um, each one of them had a cost per share. And me and Keith had a thousand bucks. We bought a bunch of shares. And then at the end of the quarter, we would see how we did. Now, we actually missed the first quarter. Um, if you guys remember a few weeks ago, uh, Keith had the the blackout or whatever it was. And we had to postpone the show. And then... Um, I, I completely forgot about it. So we're a couple weeks behind, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to do it now. We'll do it again, I think, at the end of June, and then we do it again before the playoffs. So anyways, let's recap quarter number one. So Q1, Keith, you had 80 shares of Kevin Harvick, 20 shares of Chase Briscoe, 4 shares of Daniel Suarez, 5 shares of Justin Haley, and 13 shares of Eric Jones. So you had basically invested 995 out of your $1,000. And at the end of Q1, you've got 954. So you, you basically pretty much broke even. Okay. I mean, you lost 40 bucks, which is not a big deal. Now for me, I did a little bit worse. So I had 40 <laughs> shares of Christopher Bell 50 shares of Corey LaJoy, 25 shares of Austin Dillon, 10 shares of Kurt Busch, and 20 shares of Justin Allgaier. I had spent 998, and I've only got 910 now. So I actually lost 88 bucks. Um, Christopher Bell, uh, every one of my drivers, I believe, yes, every one of my drivers went down. Um, You actually had a couple that went up um fortunately for me you didn't have a lot of shares in them so chase briscoe went from 641 
a share to 815. So big bump for him. Daniel Suarez went up about 60 cents. Justin Haley went from 417 a share to 641. And then Eric Jones went from 783 to or from 628 to 783. The only reason why you're not just blowing me out of the water is Kevin Harvick went from 925 to 787. I figured that was gonna happen. So we've got the new uh prices on everybody. Um the highest prices right now are William Byron is actually the highest at 1070 and then it's Chase Elliott 1066 Ross Chastain god dang we should have got some shares of Ross yeah, Chastain Yeah I regret that <laughs> <laughs> I think we both regret that Oh my god he went up like $3.50 and Ryan Blaney is the other one that is $10 so All right so what do you want to do with your portfolio Keith so you can basically Keep your drivers, Man. drop some drivers, rearrange shares, whatever you want to do. You've got $954. What drivers did I have again? I'm sorry. You had Kevin Harvick, Harvick, Chase Briscoe, and Eric Jones. Yes, along with Daniel Suarez and Justin Haley. How many shares did I have of um, Daniel Suarez? You had only four shares of Daniel Suarez. All right, I'm going to drop those four shares of Suarez. Okay. And I'm going to put those four shares into Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick. All right. And Tyler Reddick right now is $8.35 a share. Okay. Um then I had quite a bit in Kevin Harvick. I think you said I had what, 90 something? You had 80 shares in Kevin Harvick. Well, I'm going to take them 80 shares. <laughs> I'd, I'd boofard that one. But <laughs> I'm going to take those 80 shares and I'm going to put 20 of them into Kevin Harvick. All right. So you're only going to go 20 shares of Kevin Harvick this time. Yeah. And well, then... now here's the good thing. Now, this is the good thing, okay? Because Kevin Harvick has gone down, right? You have the opportunity to now catch him going back up. You know what I mean? So yeah. he's at 787, so there is a chance you could see a rebound out of him. And and, and that's why I'm not going to drop him off, because uh, Kevin Harvick's a guy you can't count out. No, he's not. And I it think really for is. I think and for most the of these drivers, I'm thinking most of these guys, in terms of like their, their ceiling, is going to be like, eleven dollars right yeah, twelve bucks yeah. if they get on a hot streak and kevin harvick is definitely someone who can do that so that's not a bad that's not a bad and, and the good thing is is that that team's getting used to the next gen car they've shown mm -hmm. a ton of speed here of late so that that's an added bonus but yeah. it's not 80 80 shares worth of bonus to me yeah, exactly especially when you can put more shares into somebody else like a guy named austin dillon mm -hmm. <laughs> that i'm not gonna do though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna take 20 shares and put them into joey logano all right because I, I i can't add any more outside of that can i like as far as drivers right um well, that depends. I can't if, remember. Did we put a cap on the how many drivers? No, no. You, you can get you can get 
you can get um up to five drivers and um or you if you want to get just like two or three and get a bunch of shares in those three guys and you can just do that right so it's up to you so i'm at what you still have you yeah well if you keep suarez and justin haley or I'm gonna drop Suarez completely. Yeah. Okay. So if I mean, uh, Ch- uh, Chase Brit. Yeah. If you still have, if you want, you had Chase yeah. Briscoe and Justin Haley and Eric Jones also. Well, out of the 80 shares on Kevin Harvick, I took 20, left 20 on him. I'm gonna put 20 into Chase Briscoe. Okay. That leaves me with. So that's going to be All right. Cuz I'm I'm going to keep I'm going to keep Haley because he's he's a question mark for me right now. Okay. I'm going to put 20 on to, man, it's, it's a difficult decision on a Martin trucks, Jr. Martin trucks, Jr. All right. And then I'm going to leave it alone. Okay. And Truex is okay, eight seventy eight. All right. I tell you whose stock's cheap right now, BJ McLeod. I think it'll always be. Yeah, there's a few of them, but see, finding guys that are that are cheap that are gonna that are gonna be running consistently, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's and, then the that's, thing. and that's part of the reason why I didn't want to drop Justin Haley because he he shown some flashes this past mm-hmm. week. Yeah, he has, he has. So I am going to actually for mine, what I'm going to be doing is is I'm going to be, I'm going to actually load up on just a couple of drivers here because i think they've got to do better or at least that's my hope i could go down in flames but i'm gonna take i'm gonna actually keep my christopher bell shares that i have but i'm gonna actually add to it um i'm going to get 20 more shares of christopher bell and I'm going to actually, same thing with Corey LaJoy. I think, dude, he's got to get better, man. And I think he uh, will. I think so, too. And he actually didn't drop off that much. He kind of held Pat. Um, you know, he only dropped like 15 cents. And so, he had he had a really good race at Dover. Yeah, he did. He was running very good, and then somebody wrecked him, I think. Yes. Yeah, he was doing pretty good. And then the other one that I was going to do, and I got to find him real quick. Uh, ooh, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh, Keselowski, Brad Keselowski, because Keselowski's actually down to uh, 
He's actually down below $7. He's $6.99. And he's another one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to take... Thirteen shares of Keselowski because that puts me right at my right at my cap on my money. So, all right. So, you've got Tyler Reddick, four shares. Kevin Harvick twenty, Logano twenty, Briscoe twenty, uh, and uh, Truex twenty. And then I've got Christopher Bell sixty, Lejoy sixty, Keselowski thirteen. So those are our portfolios. Next time. I'll send this to you a day earlier so you can actually see the see the prices and get it figured out a little bit yeah. better. That's fine. So I just remembered it this morning. I was like, oh my God, we gotta do this. So now the only reason I remembered it was because it was the spreadsheet right next to the Bristol Bash spreadsheet for our teams that we had from last <laughs> week. And I was like, Oh yeah, there it is. So we got to talk about that because that was actually pretty interesting. Now, we talked a little bit before we started the show. Did, did you get to see much of it? or? So I watched bits and pieces of the first and second night, and it was, it was better than what I thought it was going to be because if you remember last year, it was just follow the leader. Yes, I thought it was much better racing this year. Much better racing. Whatever they did to the track, um, you know, in terms of changing it, it just seemed much better. It didn't seem to be, um, the banking more... didn't seem to be as extreme this year. And I don't no. know, I don't know if they like, if they raised the bottom, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't I mean, know what they did, but it doesn't, it didn't seem to be as extreme this year. They did something for the cup weekend. And I, I think they did raise the bottom. I think they did. It sure looked like it. Because last year, if you remember, it looked like a wall, right? Like, yeah. it just looked like it went straight yeah. up. This year, it doesn't look to have as much angle to it. And that seemed to be, I mean, if that's what, what it was, it seemed, the racing was so much better this year. It wasn't even funny. I mean, it wasn't even funny. And, um, it was incredible. And like I told Wade, we were talking about it. And I said, dude, the good thing is, Last year's was last year. They got a whole nother year to work the track, to figure out how to make the racing better. And it looked like they actually did that because yes. the racing was better. Mm-hmm. Now the big question mark is, is do we do it again next year? Don't know. We know that they're going to do the dirt again. Just don't know if the outlaws and stuff is going to come back. I, I hope they do because it, this weekend was actually better than last weekend. Yes, it was. As far as the racing goes, the racing was incredible, and I think a lot of it's got to do with Kyle Larson coming from the back in the uh, late model race. Yeah, that also, I mean, obviously that made it, um, it that definitely made it uh, much, a, a lot more fun to watch. <laughs> it was, uh, that was pretty, pretty incredible. Um, now, his reason, the reason that he had to come from the back has been up for debate. A lot of people were upset by, uh, about that, um, including Kyle Larson. So what happened was, is Kyle Larson got to the staging area late. And he was supposed to start outside pole, night number one in the late models. Uh, the officials deemed him late to the staging area, and so he was moved to the back. Um, this is something that, uh, like I said, has been a hot topic. Larson was the only driver doing double duty. 
um, from my understanding of it, and this is what I've heard from a bunch of different people who either watch the event. Um, one of them, there, I want to say he, it was his cousin was there or something. I, but apparently Larson was actually pitting with the sprint cars. So he not only had like the sprint car there, but I guess his late model was over there next to his sprint car, right? Because you don't want to have your trailers, two different trailers at two opposite ends type of thing. Yeah. And apparently that had confused the officials or something. I don't know. They got, they had a hard time getting him over there on time. He shows up late. They move him to the back and then Kyle Larson proceeds to put on one of the biggest clinics I've ever seen in a dirt late model. It was absolutely incredible. He passed people like they were upside down in reverse. I mean, it was incredible. Had he not blown his tire, he would have. I think he would have won that race. I mean, he was faster than Davenport. You know what I mean? And they came they to the trying. white flag, yeah, and he blew that tire out going into turn one, or at least that's when it finally let go. Who knows if, if it had been going before that. But he was flying. Flying, and that, right? that's a big underestimated flying because he yes. was moving. <laughs> yes, he was moving, man. It it was one of those things that when I was watching it, I was I felt bad for the the drivers on the track because I'm like these are the best of the best in terms of dirt late model drivers, and this kid right i mean he's almost 30 years old now but it's still in most people's eyes he's a kid right this this young punk is making them look like they're in slow motion and he's not a late model driver you know what i mean oh like, no by any means he, is he you can like count on two hands how many times he's raced the dirt late model and, and it just was incredible to watch and it's mind-boggling that a guy that's not a late model racer by heart mm-hmm that can go out and make guys that's got hundreds, yes, hundreds of races under their belt look absolutely stupid. Yes, make them look it, like rookies. It's mind blowing, and yep. he and he does it every time he's in a late model. And unfortunately, I think Tyler Courtney's going to follow suit. <laughs> I, you know what, man, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think that that is something that we're going to see more of is these there's a guys... ton of crossover going on and yes. i love it i, I love it too racing i i love it too and i think we're going to start seeing more and more of it because these guys are recognizing that hey man i can go run these different cars and it's racing which they all love right like i mean it, you know look you're a racer you raced you know non-wing sprint cars right if someone came to you and said hey man want to run my my winged sprint car, are you going to be like, nah, I'm a non-wing driver. Oh, no, you're going to be nah, like, dude, uh, yeah, sure, I'll drive it. You know what I mean? Like, of course you would, right? So Who wouldn't? Those, exactly, right? Who wouldn't do that? And when you can do that and then not only do it, but you're doing it in events like the all, you know, all-star events or Lucas Oil 8 model events or World of Outlaw events where you're going to get paid, right? It's going to help you literally fund the thing that you love to do most. Why wouldn't you do it? And so I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of these guys do that, especially these younger, you know, really talented drivers that have shown that, hey, I can go from this to this and still be good. You know what I mean? I know a late model is different than going from, you know, a non-wing to a wing. But nevertheless, when you've got that kind of talent, you'll figure it out. Oh, absolutely. And and not to take anything away from the Bristol weekend, but I think you're going to see a lot of it happen in the million-dollar race at Eldora coming up. Mm-hmm. 
and I think you're going to see a ton of crossover because, I mean, a racer's a racer and he's going to want to race. And for a million bucks, when can you do that? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that Donnie Schatz was... is coming out and he's going to run at Eldor for the million. Yep. Yep. Donnie Schatz was running. A, he was and running a, a late model at the World Finals. And he's a heck of a late model racer. He's very good in the late models. He's very good. You know? So... I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of it. Um, it's going to become more of a commonplace thing with these guys. And like you said, and I'm with you. I love it. I think it's awesome to see because I you get those great. guys. Yeah, you get people who, you know, you, you're you becoming just – it allows you to root for your favorite driver even more. Yeah, and, and, and it gives – from the fan side, it gives more – well, what am I looking for? The word I'm looking for exposure to the yes, late models because exactly. of these guys that, you know, that you're going to have sprint car fans showing up to watch late model races because one Kyle Larson's there two, Tyler Courtney could be there. Mm-hmm. Donnie shots could be there. It's, I think it's great. Yep. I think it is great. And I, I was hoping that I was hoping that Donnie shots was going to jump in the late model at Eldora. I think it'd be awesome, but there's a lot going on that weekend. Yeah. Yeah, there is. It is it is a busy weekend, so so yeah, so the late model race night one was definitely fun. Jonathan Davenport got the win. Um he was he was definitely fast. Uh the only person who like I, like we were talking about who was faster than him was Larson, but Larson had the tire failure. Davenport got the win on night number one. It was a really it was a really good race. I actually really enjoyed the late model race. Um, now on the sprint car side of things, night number one, uh, your boy Logan Schuhart got the win and he was flying. My God, he was flying. Schuhart, what he was just, he, he was so fast that he started on pole and he never looked back. He really didn't. He was just dominant the whole race. And you know, he was fast last year there. Yes. Both nights. Yes, he was, you know, and I said this, I've said this before, when we were at the world finals, Shuhart should have won both nights and had, you know, something went wrong both nights. He was hands down the fastest sprint car driver on the track. It wasn't and even close. If they could just figure out how to close out a whole weekend, mm-hmm. do it consistently and then, and do what, um, Carson Macedo is doing. Yes, exactly. They could do that every weekend. I think Logan Schuhart's a champion. I and he's definitely got he's definitely got champion speed. But the 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 issue with the one S team is I don't I don't know what it is, but they they lack something every other weekend. It's like one weekend they do great, following weekend they just fall off, and then they're back, and then they're fall off. So mm-hmm. they can figure out what's going on. I. I don't know how you couldn't count him out because Logan Schuhart shows speed every freaking weekend. Yes, he does. He does. They just can't so. close it out, and unfortunately, in racing, that that hurts you more than it helps you. Yes, it does. So it was definitely a a uh, fun number uh, night number one. Now night number two on the dirt late model side of things, Ricky Weiss got the win. Davenport finished second. So another strong outing from Davenport, but Ricky Weiss got the win. Now Weiss was basically battling there on uh night. Number one, he finished second to Davenport. So basically those two guys were your top two, both nights. They just flip flopped night. Number one to night. Number two. Um, 
night number two, the, the race really flew by. I mean, it went fast. You know, for as big as that track is, it's amazing how fast they get around there. I think, dude, the race was only like, I dude, it felt like it took five minutes. I'm sure it took longer yeah. than that, but it did not seem, it did not seem very long. It seemed like it went by in the blink of an eye. Um, so. so the sprint car race, the second race was the time of race was nine minutes. Jesus. <laughs> night is... number one. Night number one when Shuhart won, it was six minutes. That is insane. Yes. Because last year. Crazy. Yeah. Last year when we were there for that weekend, it didn't seem like we were in our seats that long. No. No. At least for the final race. We were, we were there in, for a while at the racetrack. But as far as sitting down watching the races, the features, mm-hmm. it, we weren't there long. Yeah. So yeah, it was it, it, they they were flying around there, man. And then on night number two in the sprint cars, Spencer Baston got the win, which was actually really cool to see. Uh, yeah, Baston first got win. the win. Yep, got his first, Rookie. got the first win. Yep, over and he 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 beat Kyle Larson and Logan Schuhart. You know what I mean? So heck of a podium to be on for your for your first yep. first win. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So yeah, it was really, really cool, man. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Bristol this year. Enjoyed it a lot more than I did last year. So, and so. and like like I was saying earlier, and I think a lot of it's got to do with this ain't their first time doing the dirt now. Now now they're into year two. They got a yes. good grasp of what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Exactly. Now they got to turn the dirt over and and prep the track. And I think mm-hmm. it's only going to get better if they continue to do it. Yeah, and I think they are going to continue to do it. It doesn't seem like something that's going to be going away. I mean, if you look at all the racing that's gone through Bristol over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, they've been racing, you know, to Bristol, yeah, Dirt Nationals. I mean, it's like three weeks yeah. of racing or something. It's just an yeah. insane amount of racing that goes Crazy. through there. Yeah, so, so I'm scrolling big through. money maker. Absolutely, especially with the XR series there. Mm-hmm. Look at the money that they brought. Yeah, for the nationals, but but I'm just scrolling through the results. Man, a heat race there, one minute and fifty two seconds. That's insane. That's <laughs> that insane. Crazy. That is so fast, man. So the the dash was one minute and twenty five seconds. That's so fast. I'm you can't crazy. go anywhere else and see that. No. You can't. No. And and I know people don't like it because it's boring, but where can you go and watch a feature race in under nine minutes? Nowhere. Yeah. You're with, going with to twenty four with twenty four cars. Twenty four of the best cars in America. Yeah. You know. And even the late models, one minute and twenty five seconds for their dash. Yeah. They two seconds for their heats. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. They fly around there too, man. Yeah, it was it was good racing, man. Like I said, I really enjoyed it and it was uh like you said, they've got it. They've got a lot of the kinks got it figured out. out. Yep. And I think next year will be, you know, just, just. An, and I hope they do step. it again. I know people don't like it because it's so freaking boring, but there's so much things to do at Bristol. If, if any of the listeners go next year, it was probably, I've been to a ton of races, been mm-hmm. to a ton from when I started racing to now. And that was probably one of the best weekends I've had at a racetrack just because I mean, the environment, you can't beat it. It reminded me a lot of Bristol or Eldora. Duh. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of Eldora because I mean, 
when you expect to go to a NASCAR track for a dirt race, you think the prices are going to be crazy. And they weren't. It yeah. really wasn't. It, it had a good dirt vibe to it. And you could walk down into the pits after the race, just like any other dirt weekend. And like I told Wade when we were down there, I was like, man, this is crazy. I would have never thought we'd be standing in the middle of Bristol. You can't do this at a NASCAR weekend without having a, a hot pass or anything to that nature. And we didn't even have pit passes. They were just like, yeah, go ahead and go down there. We open it up at the end like a real, an actual dirt weekend. Yeah. And it, it was awesome. And yeah. To go down there for four days and just take it all in and, and interact with some of the drivers that were there because we ended up running into Logan Shuhart and it, it was a fun weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Those those types of things, like you said, man, there it's more than just the racing. It's an experience, yeah. right? You're but, there for the whole event. And, and like I told Wade when we went down last year, I was like, the racing may not be good. We don't know. I was like, but when will you ever be able to say you've seen a sprint car go that fast in person? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they're Cause they're they flying. Were, yeah, they were clocking them down the straightaways, up and over 160 miles an hour, which is nuts. That's just and nuts. And you're not lifting. Yep. In an open wheel car on dirt, I don't think right? I could do that. Yeah. I don't think I could. I yeah. couldn't talk myself into doing it. Uh, I yeah i I would like to say I could hop in and do that, but I I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, there's no way. There's no way I'd be, I'd be half throttle and I'd get out and I'd be like, God, you guys see how fast I was going? And I'd be like, oh, dude, you just did a 27 second lap there. Damn. Okay. Felt fast though. Like, <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was flying. I think it would be cool to add to that weekend to take the, cause I know non-wing sprint cars. It'd be tough to, to race them there. Yes. Especially in real life. You, somebody unfortunately would probably end up killed. Yes. But if they could somehow finagle the USAC Silver Crown cars into going down there, I think I would add to the weekend. I think the Silver Crown cars would actually be a good race there. Because, you know, the Silver Crown cars, they run on really big tracks all the time. You know, I mean, now a lot of times they're running, you know, when they run those miles and stuff like that, they're they're obviously, you know, like flatter tracks. They're not high banked like that. But I think that I think the Silver Crowns would be cool there, man. I really do. I think so too. I think it would put on a good race because the Silver Crown cars like it when it's super slicked off, and then the racetrack gets real racy when it's like. A, mm -hmm. I think it would put on a good show. Yeah, I think that. I th I think you're right, man. I think that'd be a cool thing to see. Oh, cross your fingers, man. Maybe maybe they'll do it. So hopefully somebody's listening. Yep, exactly, exactly. Get you go open up the ears. Get the get the get the word out to those that are the you know to the to the movers and shakers. Tell me what the Silver Crowns at Bristol next year. So. <laughs> but yeah, so really good fun, good weekend of racing. Maybe by all then around. the group will own USAC. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> so, but the biggest thing was, and this was actually really interesting. There was, you know, kind of a shakeup in the points. Now, you know, Brad Sweet, once he got the point lead, he started pulling away, and Macedo and Gravel have kind of reeled him back in, and Hodden Shields closed the gap on that as well. It's really, really tight right now, even after 17 races. So Brad Sweet's only got a 20-point lead over Macedo and 30 over Gravel and 68 over Hoddenshield. So those top four really, really close. That's just one bad weekend, and, uh, no. you know, Sweet could fall. So Fine. that's really, really cool, man, because we were talking about it before the season that we thought we could see a new champion this year, and it's looking like there's a still a very good shot at it. And, you know, looking at the points, I would say – if you're seventh through first, you have a shot. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
because because Logan Schuhart's really closing the gap also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 I just I until Donnie Schatz retires, I'm not going to bet against you that can't guy. Count him out. No, you uh-uh. can't. If nope. you count him out, you you're clueless. Yeah, you obviously I'm don't sorry. know anything about racing. Hard to say that, but yeah. yeah. And and it does. It's no surprise that Carson Macedo's really closed the gap. Look how consistent he has been this year. I mean. Brad Sweet's got him in top fives and top tens by one in the top ten category, but man. But Macedo's got four wins this year. Yeah. He's the winningest driver on the tour right now. And and if you would have asked me that last year going into this year, if you think Carson Macedo would have four wins by now, I'd probably say no because they always came on stronger late in the season. Yes, exactly. And that's the if scary they, thing. And if they can keep it up, mm-hmm. I'd watch out. That 41's coming. Yep, he is. The two's coming also. Yep. So it'll be, it'll be, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, man. I think we're going to have a, a tight points battle this year. And so speaking on the outlaws, we talked about the whole, uh, um, well, crap, the Jason side stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't remember. I had a lot of things going on from then until yeah. now. I still think that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we talked about that. So, so yeah, good weekend of racing. Now, we did our Bristol Bash draft, and you had David Gravel from the sprint cars. You had David Gravel, Logan Schuhart, Aaron Reitzel, and then on the late model side, you had Chris Madden, Kyle Strickler, and Kyle Bronson. I had on the sprint car side Brad Sweet, Sheldon Hodenschild, and Kyle Larson. And on the late model side, I had Jonathan Davenport, Josh Richards, and Scott Bloomquist. So, what we did here was I just took everybody's finish and then averaged it out to see which team did best. And you beat me by three positions. So, your average finish for two Crazy. nights was 6.4, and mine was 9.3. So, we both had a winner on night one. You had Shuhart. I had Davenport. Night number two, neither of us had a winner. But what killed me was Brad Sweet, Sheldon Hoddenshield, Josh Richards, and Scott Bloomquist on night number two. None of them finished inside the top 13. It, they just horrible finishes. So Bloomquist finished fourth on night one and then 21st on night number two. I think he had a DNF night number two, but yeah, so my guys really fell off on night number two. So, so you, so you beat me in the Bristol driver da- uh, draft. So congrats to you. There's your prize. You win. Yay. <laughs> I finally won something. Guys. There you go. <laughs> so next time we have another big event, we'll do something like that. But yeah, so good, good job to you. You had a, you had a good, good team and your guys, other Kyle Strickler had a rough weekend, but other than that, everybody, Everybody for your team did awesome. They all finished it, within the top five. And it, it, it's shocking to see Kyle Strickler have a bad weekend because mm-hmm. it's rare that he has a bad weekend. Yep. But also a guy you can't count out because he's a wheel man. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, we've got an ask three wide email this week. So last couple of weeks, um, we haven't done this because we haven't gotten uh, any questions. So if you guys want to send us a question on, I don't know, anything racing, uh, hell, it could be on life. Right. Today's today's question is actually not even a racing question. It is a life based question. So you can send us an email to ask three wide at gmail.com. That's ask the number three wide at gmail.com. And this is from Lonnie. I'm 
Lonnie, I am assuming that you are a guy by the way you were writing this email. Okay, so please forgive me if I say, you know, if I if I use male pronouns in this in this answer. But he said, Tommy, you have talked about being a trader before on the show. What do you think of cryptocurrencies right now as an investment moving forward? Okay, so here's the deal, Lonnie. That is a very um I I would need you to be a little bit more specific. When you say, what do I think of cryptocurrencies right now as an investment? My first response is going to be which ones? Because there's so many of them now, right? Like if this was five years ago and you said, what do, what do you think of cryptocurrencies? I would think, well, do you mean like Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? Because like those were like the two main ones, you know, four or five years ago. Like that was what everybody talked about. Now, there's a laundry list of cryptocurrencies, right? So when you talk when you're talking about cryptocurrencies as an investment, I would need to know more specifically if you have a specific one in mind. Now, that being said, what I will tell you is this, and understand I am not a licensed advisor. I have absolutely no professional background in this. I trade and invest for myself and have been successful doing it for myself, but that does not mean I can give advice. So please don't listen to anything I say. All right. Disclaimer. Um, you will probably lose your money. Okay. There you go. Get that out the way for the government. So when it comes to cryptocurrencies, I've said this numerous times before. I think cryptocurrency is the future. Digital currency, I think it is the future. Um, if you really dive into, you know, blockchain technology and stuff like that, it's pretty incredible. I think blockchain technology is also the future in a lot of things. When you look at the way that they're doing, you know, the way that they're coming up with these, you know, the different types of contracts and stuff like that, the different currencies, you know, on security, there's a bunch of different things that blockchain can be used for and applications with it. So it's really, really cool. And cryptocurrency, digital currency, I think is the future. I think that's where everything is moving. Um, there will come a day, probably, you know, in my, my kid's lifetime, Right. I don't know if I'll still be around, but in my kid's lifetime, where the thought of having physical money in your pocket or wallet is going to seem archaic. They're going to be like, what, what's that? That's cash. Like you, you actually use that. Like, I think it's going to go away at some point in the near future. When I say near future, I mean, like I said, you know, 50, 60 years. Um, so investing in cryptocurrency could definitely be um, a good idea, but you need to understand the risks with it and also the volatility in it. And this is something that people never think of. I watched Bitcoin as an active trader. And you can probably find some of my videos from because I had another YouTube channel where, where I used to teach trading to people um, where I talked about Bitcoin at the time. This was years ago. And I said, you know, be careful because there was just a bunch of Bitcoin fanboys saying it's going to 100,000. Just buy, 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 buy. And I was like, be careful. You know, I don't know if that's a good idea. It looks like it's going to fall. And it fell. And a lot of people lost a lot of money. And Bitcoin is one of those things that can go up thousands of dollars in a day and it can drop thousands of dollars in a day. Other cryptocurrencies are like that too. And the thing that scares me about cryptocurrencies is... The fact that all you need is a government to come out and say, we don't allow this no more, right? With the stroke of a pen. Now, will they do that? I don't know. I have no idea, but it's possible. And so to me, when I look at 
investments, right? Because there's two different types of things. You have investments and you have trades. A trade is something that I, I, I'm trying to buy, make money, and get out, right? So, for example, um, you know, take Apple. Everyone knows who Apple is. Apple's trading at some ridiculous amount right now. I don't know what it is, but let's just say Apple's at 100 bucks and they've got an earnings, an earnings call coming up. So I'm going to buy Apple at $100 because I think by next week it's going to be 125 So I buy, it goes up, I sell. That's a trade. I'm just trying to get in, out, make money. When you are investing in something, you're buying value. So you're saying, hey, I'm buying this now because I think in the next 5, 10, 25 years, it's going to be much higher than it is now, right? That's what you're doing with an investment. Cryptocurrencies are very volatile. They move up and down constantly. And people, what gets a lot of retail investors in trouble is they will get involved in the market when everything's great and it's just going up and up and up and up. And then when things start going to hell in a handbasket, they flip out and they start selling. And they never they, they end up losing their money because most retail investors, they don't get in until it's at the end of the run. Right, they get in at the top and then they sell at the bottom. So I just, whatever you're, which one you're looking at specifically there, Lonnie, you know, just like I said, be careful, do your research. You know, I would highly recommend you talk to somebody who is a professional who knows their stuff, not some Bitcoin fanboy out there, right? Who's you know saying they know everything because anybody who tells you that is lying to you when it comes to this stuff. So yeah, I would I would I would look on that more route. And if you're talking about you know safer investments and things like that, you know, really talk to somebody and look at things that are much less volatile because cryptocurrency can be a rough roller coaster. So yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Keith, you got any thoughts on cryptocurrency investing? Uh I don't even pay attention. There you I go. Can't do it honestly, <laughs> I don't know enough about it to even want to dig into it. It's, you know, it's really, it's really, um, interesting, you know, it really is. And the, the, the really interesting thing about it, and it's funny because I just had my aunt and my uncle, um, were here a couple weeks ago visiting and they were like, Tommy, please explain Bitcoin to us. Right. And so I was in the kitchen explaining Bitcoin to them and my mom and my dad, and my dad just like, he just couldn't wrap his head around it. He's like, I don't get it. What do you mean? Like, how, how does that work? How, how can you just, how do you mine Bitcoin, but there's nothing there? How can that be worth anything? Right. And it's just a really hard thing for a lot of people to grasp. And there's a lot of, like, if you are somebody who wants to learn about cryptocurrencies, like if you're, cause I'm a nerd when it comes to that stuff. And also, like I said, I do trading and investing for myself. I do a lot of that stuff. Um, even though I don't teach people that anymore, um, I still do it, like I said, for myself. So I look at the markets all the time and I'm, I, I geek out on that stuff, you know, and if you want to actually learn about that, there's very good documentaries out there on Bitcoin and stuff that will explain and kind of make it, um, simpler to understand because it is complex. It is hard to wrap your head around. But yeah, if you want to learn that stuff, I mean, it, it's out there and it's it's much easier to to read about or excuse me, watch, uh, you know, a, a 90 minute doc on it than trying to read about it because you can get lost in it really, really easily. Because like I said, most people and this is the problem, not just in the financial markets, but with anything, right? It, 
anytime people can make money, you know, with the, the world that we live in now, um, especially, you know, here in, in North America or, or the, you know, more developed nations where we have more of a, a services based economy, right? Where you have a lot of people online who are office, who are offering information and services, right? Hey, I'll teach you how to start a business. I'll teach you how to do this. I'll teach you how to do this. I've done this successfully and I'll teach you how I did it, right? Like you have a lot of that. And anytime you have, um, you know, a niche, a market, whatever you want to call it, that you can make money and make a lot of money, you get a lot of just idiots who don't know what they're talking about. They've gone out, they've taken somebody else's training and they're just regurgitating what they heard someone else say. And they really have no clue what they're talking about. And the financial markets, there's a ton of that. It's it's oh my god, there's so much of it. It's so bad. It's one of, it's one of the reasons I stopped educating in the space because I just couldn't take it no more. It just was horrible. Um. So so yeah, just be careful, you know, Lonnie. Just be careful, man. That's that's my ultimate advice. And look, at the end of the day. You know, my mentor, we'll wrap the show up with this. My mentor, Jason Stapleton, is one of the, it's one of the, the greatest and simplest things I ever heard. And he was, he basically said the key to creating generational wealth is spend less money than you make, save and invest the rest in things that you understand. And that can be anything, right? That could be a business, that could be Pokemon cards, right? Baseball cards. I mean, they're, 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 it's insane what you can invest money into. Silver, gold, cryptocurrency, whatever. Stocks, bonds, whatever. Like, it, there's so many different things that you can invest money in and see a return. So, that, you know, it, when it comes to that, when it comes to your money, just be careful. Get educated. Don't just trust somebody to handle it for you because that, as we all know, that, that can end really, really badly. What so. he said. Yep, exactly. So, so thank you, Lonnie, for the question. Um, you guys, thank you very much. But yeah, if you want to email us and ask us anything, I, like like we said, we don't care. I mean, heck, I just answered a financial question on here on, on a racing pod. So we don't really care. But if you guys want to reach out to us, emails ask 3 wide at gmail.com. So that's going to do it all for this week's show, you guys. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Please do us that favor. Um, share you know, like the show, get it out there, follow us, download, subscribe, all that stuff. Every platform that you're on right now that you're listening to, if you're on Spotify, there's a button right there. You can follow us. Um, if you want to leave us a comment or a rating and review, please do so. And we're on everything, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. I mean, you name it, we're on it. So we're out there and help us spread the good word, good word because uh, we love doing this. And, uh, you know, we're glad those of you who listen like it. So help us keep doing it. But that's going to do it all for this week, you guys. We will be back next Thursday, um, as always. Same time, same place. Keith, my man, have a good weekend. Thanks, Tommy. You too. And all the listeners, thank you for uh, everything. Yep, absolutely. So we will be back next weekend, or next week, excuse me. And until then, as always, take care. <laughs>